McMullen. Welcome once again to the World Snooker Tour podcast, where my guest this week is one of the longest surviving, and I think I can say one of the friendliest guys on the circuit. It's Mark Davis. Mark, welcome along. Hi, Michael. Good to be here. Let's go back to 1991, when there were 443 new professionals coming on that summer that the game went open, of which you were one. And a lot of people say it was a real slog and they didn't like the facilities, but it's a time that you actually speak of quite fondly. Yeah, I mean, I mean you know, it was it was my first year. I say it, was, it wasn't Blackpool. It was the year before that. It was in the clubs. They had yeah. the clubs in Aldershot, Bolton, Sheffield. So, I mean, yeah, it was a slog, but it was new. It was all exciting. You know, I sort of went from playing in the odd pro-am. Didn't really play a big amateur career, to be honest. I kind of went straight into, you know, paying the money and going in and 91. So it was all exciting. And even if it was played in the worst places possible, I still loved it, just mm. enjoying it, just to sort of kickstart your career and, and see what it brought, you know. And, um, yeah, so so it was a slog. but And obviously, especially Blackpool, a few years later with... Um, all those sort of six, seven weeks in Blackpool playing all the qualifying matches, you know, that was a bit of a slog. But again, it was still early in the career, so you were enjoying it. I was obviously no commitments then either. I didn't have any, you know, I didn't have a wife or the, or the kids either. So it was, the losses are harder when you're like that, to be mm-hmm. fair, because that's mm-hmm. all, snooker is everything. But, you know, you're kind of sort of enjoying it and um, and then just, yeah, just making your way you know, in the game, and if someone had said, you know, I'll still be a pro sort of 31 years later, I wouldn't have believed them, but um, you've said that You've said that to me before, Mark, that you didn't actually play many amateur events before turning pro. That seems remarkable that you would decide to go into the pro game and that you had that confidence in yourself, despite not having built up much of an amateur record. Yeah, I didn't, I don't think, I, not from what I remember, I don't remember only the, uh, you know, world amateur or English amateur, I don't remember playing those at all. I mean, I may have done it, but nothing I can remember. I didn't have a lot, really. I was planning primes and I nearly didn't pay the money in 91. I had a sponsor and we were thinking, you know, should I do it or not? And um, in the end we did. And, and um, But it could have easily been a year later. You know, you know, we put it on hold for a year or two, but we decided to do it between us or whatever and maybe the family as well. And then, yeah, away we went and do that. But yeah, I didn't really have much of an amateur, didn't play in all the amateur events, loads of amateur events before I turned pro, to be honest. So I was kind of limited to sort of pro-am tournaments, which were... Which were very tough tournaments in them days. I mean, you had everybody in them. You know, Ronnie and all the, all the guys, they were, they were, if you won one of them, you're doing well, mm. to be fair. I think to feel you've really made it in the game, most players say you've got to be a top 32 player to feel that you've really had a substantial professional career. Incredibly, after 18 years on the circuit, you'd still never made it that far. Now, you obviously had the ability because you've gone much higher than that in subsequent years. So why had you not made that step up and found that consistency? Well, I mean, the, the consistency, I mean, I, I think, I think really, I mean, I do think it kind of jumped up when Barry came in and we had so many more tournaments to play yeah. because for, for, for like 20 years, um, I was just used to playing in sort of maximum kind of eight, nine ranking events really and they were getting lower and lower the, the years before Barry took over the game, which was very worrying and concerning where the game was going. So, but we were used to it, so I never thought it was a problem because it was just what we were used to, that, that fewer tournaments. But then Barry came and had so many more tournaments, and I think it certainly helped me, and that was when I had a good few years then when we were playing every week. And uh, I think maybe the same with someone like Stuart, who was obviously you know, miles better career than me, but I think all those tournaments you know, really sort of freed him up to you know, do what, what he kind of done in the, in the year. So I think, yeah, that was a, that was a massive thing, um, doing that. But really, you know, mentally, my, you know, I've not been the strongest in my career. I've, I've tried to work on it. You know, kind of since Barry really took over, I've done a bit of work with Terry and Chris now, and um, but it's Terry Griffiths, and yeah, Chris Terry Henry, Griffiths and yeah. Chris Henry, and but I had kind of twenty years where it was just I didn't see anyone, and if I could go back, I'll, that is one thing I would change. I would definitely try and 
see someone and help and improve that. Because I think you can improve it. I think certain aspects, you've either got it or you haven't. And the, sort of, kind of the example I use is in where Mark Williams played John in this, this, that match, and Mark missed the, the pink uh, to win, the world to basically final, win the world final. Yeah. And then John clears up. You've either got that or you haven't. And then you've either got the fact the next frame, Mark pots a brilliant red and has one visit. They're the kind of things you've either got or you haven't. They're special players. But you can certainly improve it, I believe. And I would, you know, if I could go back, I'd, I'd certainly... I'm still trying now, don't get me mm-hmm. wrong. But obviously, I'm near the end of my career. I, that's something I would spend more time on working on and seeing people and trying to improve it because it's a huge part of the game. When you had all those years on the tour, you hadn't made it into the top 32. There weren't that many tournaments in those days, mm. as you said. So how were you making a living? Was it a struggle? Were you doing something else on the side? Yeah, it was just... No, no I've never really done anything else now. I had a few, few um, jobs, but not things that turned pro. I haven't really done. I've just managed to, to nick enough money. And obviously, I was living at home for the first... For a lot mm. of, you know, the first 10 years, really. So I had no... You know, not really that much expenses, um, so that helps, obviously. Uh, I wouldn't earn a lot of money, but I didn't have a lot of, um, you know, stuff to pay out, so that, that was good. And then, and yeah, it was, it was tough. There's been a lot of tough years, don't get me wrong. It's, it's been tough when you're not earning much money and, to, you know, to survive. But um, somehow managed to do it, and, and, you know, all in all, I've kind of made a living at the game for, for 30 years. And obviously, some years have been harder than others, but, but I have, and that's... You obviously want to do better if you're post 31 years. You want to have won some tournaments, which I haven't done. But obviously, your number one priority, if you're doing something full time, is is to pay the bills and and earn a living. I've I've managed to do that over the years, so that's kind of an achievement, I suppose. But obviously, I would have liked to have done a little bit better. But you know, it is what it is. I, I you know look back. There's no point in waste of time. But um, you know, it's it's you kind of learn from your mistakes. And like I say, if I could go back, I'd change a couple of things. And uh, well, what would you change? Well, I'll, ch- I'll change. I'll change. Obviously, my practice routine as well. I realised a good few years ago now, but the first twenty years that, that you practice properly. Don't just hit balls around. There's a big difference between practicing and uh, the playing. You know, and it really is practice is um, you know really focus, hundred percent concentration. And most of the time, you're not. You're going in the clubs. You're, you're you know, you're going for maximums every frame, you're playing silly shots you wouldn't play in a match, and then matches come along, you're playing a completely different game, and you can't do that, you've got to try and play the same. I've done for the last few years, but I spent a lot of time didn't, well, I wasn't doing that, so the practice was kind of pointless, really. You weren't really getting anything out of it. Um, mm. So that, and then, then what I just said, then the mental side, because you can, you can play as much as you like, you can produce all the, you know, great breaks in practice and, and as much as you like, but unless you're mentally... You know, strong enough, you, you you won't really do anything in the game that you, you that you want to do. When you found a bit of consistency, Mark, you found a lot of consistency because in the first 21 years of your career, you never reached a ranking semi-final. Then suddenly you got to four in mm. the space of about two years. Now, was mm. that all down to the fact that, as you say, there were a lot more tournaments to play yourself in, or was there something else as well behind all that success? Well, well I mean, I, I did start working with Terry then, uh, yeah. so he was definitely a great help, great guy, Terry, and, and a good fun with him. Really got on with him, and and he helped me for sure. That was around about the same time, but I, the the more tournaments was, I think, I underestimated it at the beginning because uh, people were asking me this question because obviously I was. In my forties, you know, then mm. and saying, "What are you doing?" There? I'm saying, "Oh, you know, it's this or that." But I think playing every week is is huge when you're not used to it. It's brilliant, and I think that was certainly a big factor. So those two were a big factor, and yeah, winning a lot of matches, and you know, that was probably well, I, I, I probably really should have won one of those. You know, Wushy in the semi final, I should have beaten Stuart, and well, then I was. I mean, look, don't get me wrong, I Ricky in the final, it would have been tough. I was playing well. 
and then played Barry in the semis in Australia yeah. the same year. And uh, he's he's done two or three unbelievable breaks to beat me six four, and he's won it. And I'm not saying I've won it; I've only semi final matches. But I was playing well enough then, and um, you know, so just not quite sort of gone, you know, gone in the the, the few occasions I've been really deep and uh, potentially could have maybe you know won a tournament. And you're right about that. You did have a great chance to beat Stuart Bingham in that semi-final. That yeah, was actually the first of those four. But mm. you were 4-0 down in the match and yeah. then it turned completely. It did. I was 4-0 down and I didn't miss a ball then for five frames, um, from what I remember. And I had two or three chances. I know, you know, vaguely it was a few years ago now, but I know I had two or three chances. And I think his pressure just got the better of me, if I'm honest. I just think the thought of getting to a first final and... Um, you know, just got the hold of me in and, you know, how well I played the previous five frames. That this is the mental side kicking in again, see? All mm. of a sudden I'm thinking now, well, I wasn't, I was just playing before and now I'm thinking and, it's, it, you know, you start thinking about what it means and all the rest of it and this is where you tighten up and you make mistakes that you weren't making before and, uh, you know, this is why, you know, the, the mental side, because that's all it was, you know, if that was um, a best of 19, I'd, I'd have won that frame with the chances I had and the way I've played the five, previous five frames, mm. I would have won that frame easily. Um, but it's not, it's a frame to get in the final. And it's, you, you start, if you can't deal with that, you know, like you want to, then you're going to have issues. And then Stuart had 100 in the last frame. So, you know, it was just a disappointment. All those semi-finals came together and then it dried up for a while. It took you four years to get to another mm. one. And what a story it was because it was the English Open, the first tournament that had ever really been played on your doorstep like mm. that. You're in the semi-finals against Ronnie O'Sullivan. And I think you'll understand a lot of people were looking at that and saying he's had his run and, you know, Ronnie's going to bring it yeah, to an end now. And then you go out and you play perhaps the best you've ever played and produce the performance of a lifetime? Um, I don't know if it's the best I've ever played. I've, I think I've had actually, well, you know, I haven't missed a ball. But in, given the but, circumstances but, and what exactly, was going on and who you were playing? Given the circumstances, the match, the semi-final of a big tournament, like a local tournament for me, playing Ronnie... Then, then, yeah, it is, without a doubt. And uh, I just felt great. All week, I felt great. And this is what I mean. I, I keep going back to it. If you're in a good place, and I don't know what it was. I mean, obviously, being local, I had to do some, something to do with it because every match, people were coming to watch, family, friends who were coming to watch every match, which very rarely get the opportunity because I kind of live down, you know, down south. And it's hard for people that most of the tournaments are up north. So it's hard to come um, and watch a lot of the matches. But every game, they were there. And I was in... It all week, right from the off, I played well. Not just that match. Sure. Everyone talks about that match, obviously, but pretty much every match, I felt great and I played good. Um, so, yeah, it was, I mean, it was, yeah, brilliant, brilliant game, brilliant night. And, um, you know, it, it, you know that game will, and it's just another game for Ronnie, and obviously, but for me, it, it was, uh, I remember that, that game for a long time. Back out then the next day, and I know you had a lot of friends and family there for the final, because, yeah. as you say, didn't have very far to come and early on in the evening session you've got the momentum running your way you've a chance to really take a firm grip on the match mm. and then the most unfortunate thing happened in that final mm. against Stuart Bingham tell mm. us about it well I, I, yeah again look I felt absolutely brilliant and it's, it's such a bearing on how you play if you feel good then you're going to play well and I was no secret to it I've been trying to find the, the secret to it for 30 years and I haven't found it it was just that week it was, it was there and the final was exactly the same felt brilliant Started off well, five four up. I think I was on forty. I think in the next frame, the balls were lovely. Um, and I just felt I felt something. You'd never see it. I mean, you could look at it a million times, and you'd never see it. I think we all did look at yeah. it a million times. You, and none of us saw. I know I felt something, yeah. and it couldn't have been. It couldn't have been anything other than, than that. I must have just then you feathered the white. I had, the white, I had yeah. to because it couldn't have been anything else on that particular shot. Sometimes you have situations where, 
you, you could have it could have been something else, but it wouldn't. So obviously, I, I'd never I'd never um, even think of carrying on. And yeah, that was who knows what would have happened. I'm not going to say I would have won, but I definitely would have gone six four up because I was feeling great. And and two frame, you know, gap at that stage could have made a difference, but. We, we never know, obviously, but um, it was... And I didn't beat myself up over it. I still felt good. I thought it was just an unfortunate situation. Mm. But Stuart was such a great player. He, I think he cleared up that frame and then really controlled the rest of the game there. And, um, you know, he might have done that from 6-4 down. We never know. But it certainly was a, was a turning point, even though it didn't affect me because I thought I hadn't really done anything wrong. It just um, And that was, you know, a bit disappointing. I really felt that, you know, that was... You know, possibly one of my last chances to win the tournament, and even though it was such a great week, you know, it was obviously at the same time it was probably one of my biggest disappointments not not actually winning that tournament. Because the older you get, you know your your chances are are kind of limited. You've got to be realistic about things. So um, yeah, it was, <laughs> after a couple of days, it was uh, actually you know pretty sickening to be honest, um, not doing that. But I don't dwell on things for too long, and then I was mm. I, I actually went out to China a couple of days later. I think so. You can't. You can't sulk about it for too long. You've got to have a tournament. Was it something that just popped into your head from time to time? It was you just, think, it was why just, did I do that? Yeah, it was just a reality. No, not forever in the white, no, because that was just... Look, I don't think I've done it since mm. in a match. And that was three years ago. It was just one of them unfortunate incidents. There's nothing... Um, you know, obviously something I could have done about it because I'm, I'm in control of my queue, but I really just think it's one of those things that pops up now and again. Like I said, I don't, think I've, I don't remember the last time I've done it before that, and I don't think I've done it since in a match either. So... It was just, you know, it's certainly not something I'd, I'd you know beat myself up over like if I missed a silly ball or something. So um, it was just a situation that I thought I was playing well enough to win that week, and it, it just didn't quite happen. And uh, it was you know you know big disappointment when it when it sank in. But um, you know like I say, it doesn't last for too long. I'll get over it and you move on. And you would have got away with it if you hadn't owned up. But that would never have been yourself. You couldn't have lived with yourself if no, you if you had I, known you'd done it and hadn't no, owned up. No, I couldn't. Yeah. I couldn't. I, I I never ever cheat ever. And, um, I, you know, it, that tournament would have meant nothing to me if I'd have gone on and won. Mm. It would have been nothing. It would have been the worst feeling ever. Oh, not that I would ever do it, but if sure. if, I'd, if for some reason you did. Um, so, no, I, yeah, you know, absolutely right thing to do. And it's just, you know, the nature of the sport. Sometimes these things happen and you've got to be honest and you've got, you've got to do the right things. And, um, you know, some people wouldn't. Let's have mm. it right. But, but yeah. I'm not one of them. And, uh, and my, my, to be fair. Pretty much most of the tour, not one of them, you know, they, they do the same thing. So it's, uh, it's just one of those things. Let's move to the quick fire round. Favourite movie? Shawshank. Ah, oh, wonderful film. Brilliant yeah. film. Yeah. So oh, many every times. Time on, I've yeah. watched it a billion times. And if, if I'm flicking through um, Sky and it's on, I'll still watch yeah. it. No matter where it is, I'll watch the end of it. It's uh, amazing. Amazing so- actors. Amazing story. Everything. Yeah. So many yeah. players say that. And there's a reason why so yeah. many players yeah. say it. Yeah. Best holiday you've ever been on? Uh, probably, probably Vegas. I love Vegas, uh, but I went there actually a couple of months ago for my, you know, fiftieth for a few days. So I do like oh, Vegas. Right. Yeah, I've been there a few times. So um, yeah, probably I had some good ones with the family. Actually, Florida was good when the kids were younger. We went there. That was really good as well. So I'll probably go Florida because that's more of a family one than Vegas, to be honest. So favorite music. 80s, I like the 80s. I know I'm old, mm. but the 80s, 80s is the best stuff. Well, nothing to do with being old. The 80s is still being played. Oh, I couldn't agree more. Now, yeah. this rubbish that's been on playing in now, this 
you know, stuff that's on about now, that won't be played in 20 years' no, time. I, could, I couldn't agree more with you, Mark. But the 80s will always be played. Yeah. So what, 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 what 80s bands or acts? All of them. I have Queen and, and yeah. mainly, yeah, Queen, I like the band, but all sort of, pretty much all of it, really. I, I was sort of decent stuff, yeah, um, all sorts of stuff, really. I mean, some of the old 60s songs, mm. I, you know, I've got on there. So, but, but mainly the 80s is kind of my favourite, you know, kind of era. Best anyone's ever played against you? I mean, the sheriff, I, I, I'm sure I played him once, and he, I think he had three tons. I oh, think an 80. This is Anthony Hamilton we're Anthony, talking about. Yeah. And I think he had, I'm sure he did. I think he had three yeah, tons, an 80 right. and a 50. And the only reason he didn't carry on that break was because he didn't get on a red. So he played safe and then had another 50 or something. something so that would be one of them. I'm, I do kind of remember that. And I, blow, I know I played Ronnie in the German at the Temperdrome, sort of my, one of my favourite venues, and he played unbelievable. I think, I, I think I'd under first frame and then just never saw a ball for the rest of the match, which he can do. And <laughs> finally for this section, players you'd go on a night out with? Um, I mean, probably, probably the, the guys I spend you know, a bit of time, most of the time with, sort of, you know, Barry, Barry Hawkins, Gerald Green, you know, Joe Perry, and, uh, you know, those guys I'll go on well with. And obviously Mark William Lee Walker, I'll get on well with those guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll get on to most of the... Most of the tour, really, but you spend more time with with certain guys, and obviously they're you know Joe Barry and Joe are the the sign of three I've spent most of my time with, certainly in the last sort of fifteen twenty years. And one player from a slightly younger age range is Jimmy Robertson, and he was on here a few yeah. weeks ago, and he said that uh, you have played a very big part in his career, and I guess you would say the same about him. Yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, he's probably kept me going actually because it does get harder as you get older with practice and and all the rest of it. But obviously having him in the club and practicing with him, and it's helping you up because he's, honestly, he's, if you're not on your game when you're practicing with him, you just be picking balls out all day. He's, mm. he's frightening. You haven't seen nothing what you can do. I know a lot of people will come in and say that because practice don't mean anything, but he's, honestly, it's just ton after ton after ton, one visit after one visit. And, you know, I've played, you know, a lot of real top players. And, you know, you, if you're not in your game in practice, he really sharpens you up. So he's, he's kind of, you know, Helped me sort of prolong my career a little bit by having such good practice with him. And he, you know, he's really, really great lad, Jimmy. Lovely yeah. guy and uh, fantastic player. And I think the best is yet to come, I think, for, from the public's point of view and everyone else. I think, he's, you know, he's, uh, I know he's won a tournament, but, um, you know, I think uh, he can really push on now. He had a good year last year and he started off this season pretty well. So, yeah, there's no reason why he, why he at least can't win another tournament and uh, who knows what he can do. You talked about playing top players a lot there, Mark. You've actually beaten a lot of them in very big matches, including some very impressive wins mm. at the Crucible, not least against John Higgins 10 mm. years ago this season, can you believe? Is that when he was? Yeah, 2013, <laughs> so end of this season it'll be 10 years. That then takes you obviously into the last 16 mm. and it's your old pal Stuart Bingham who mm. seems to have thwarted so much in yeah, your career. Yeah. And from 10 all, he pulled away. Yeah. And, it was such a great chance to get to a world quarter final, but not much you could have done about it at the end. Yeah, I, do you know what? I don't, I don't remember a lot about that match. I remember the John game because I played. That's probably the best I've played right. at the Crucible, John. And I know, I mean, John. I remember throughout the game, John had you know pretty horrendous run of the balls, which you don't really mention, but it is what it is. And, and I just remember that it was a, it was an obvious kind of factor during the game. And uh, but I played well. I think all the times I've been there, that's the best I've played. And I think I played. Reasonably well against Stuart, and but I don't remember too much about it. But yeah, he just pulled away from from Tenor like like he did in the English Open final. Really, mm. just shows what a great player he is. That's what great players do. You know, when they're close, they just step on the gas a little bit, and away they go. And that that's 
Stuart's a great player, world champion, won multiple tournaments. That's what they do, and that's why they've kind of won what they won. One thing that's been really curious about your career, Mark, is the success you've had at Six Reds. There have been mm. various tournaments under the guise of World Six Reds Championship over the years, and you've won three of them. There was yeah. the one in, in Ireland and then a couple in the Far <coughs> East as well. But you told me once that you'd never actually played Six Reds before those events. No, no I hadn't. I've never, never played it before Ireland. I just got an invite. Um, to go and play in it I think, I think it was an invite or it was open to everybody I can't really remember but when I, yeah first time I ever played it loved it right from the start and won that tournament and then obviously got, got to the one in, in Thailand and yeah just, just loved the format it's really quick fire and um, different to the shootout I know the shootout's quick fire but mm. I, I've never really done I got to semis in that once but I've never really kind of settled in that or done that well but the six of us I just took to it and love it and for some reason I think the, the big thing was I, I just I I'm not saying they didn't, but the, the break is so important. Mm. And I realised that. And I did spend, a, you know, at the venues, my practice was a lot of it on the break. And that's kind of what won me those two tournaments. I was, it was kind of like a serving tennis, really. With only six reds, if you can get it right, you were snookering them. And like three or four of them out in the open, it's very, very difficult to get it safe. And it, I just sort of see it as a you know, sort of serving tennis. And um, I was nailing it all the time those two years. And I must have won a massive percentage of my frames that I broke off in and, and obviously the one we had at a cushion as well I'd, I'd play him a little bit harder and I remember playing Neil in the final and he kept playing the shots enough in perfect mm. but he was ending up on the cushion which was no good because you couldn't roll up to a colour because you had to hit a cushion so Neil was kind of putting himself in a little bit of trouble even though he was playing the shot well it's just little things like that really I mean, but at the end of the day it is it is very much up in the air but, um, but I just the fact that I enjoyed the format probably helped as well Another great achievement in your career you're now into your 32nd season you've never been relegated you've never even had to go to Q school no. I mean even Fergal's had to go to Q school mm. now the other great mm. survivor that's a wonderful accomplishment Yeah I, th- I think it's a long time yeah I mean I'm yeah, I mean this year I'm obviously in danger I'm not in a good spot this year at the moment but a long way to go but um, yeah I'm kind of proud of that because it's not easy it's not easy, you know, and especially the standard from the last 10 years lower down is it, gone, you know, it's going through the roof every year. There's, there's such good players, these guys, who are lower down in the rankings. And the, the tournaments prove it. I mean, they keep calling them shocks, these, you know, when a lot of the top 16 lose. You, can, you know, you can't keep saying the shocks every, when it happens in every tournament. It just is what it is. These guys are good players. You know, they might be lower down in the rankings outside the 64, wherever they are, but I know how good they are, and compared to you know, earlier on, you know, sort of 90s and that, they're, they're so much better now. So, it's, it's, yeah, it's a good achievement in itself to do that, for sure, and I'm quite proud of it. And I, I'd like to keep it going for another season or two if I can, but we'll we see, I just, you know, we'll see, we see what happens. But I'm still trying my best, and, uh, yeah, it's, you know, I'm pleased we've done that. Like I said, if you had said when I started out in 91 that, you know, 31 years later you'd still be a pro without having dropping off, it would be, uh, I probably wouldn't have believed it because it's such a long you know, way down the line to look at. And there's a lot of very good players who turned pro around the same time have fallen by the wayside mm. a long time ago, actually. Yeah. But I think one of the reasons, Mark, that you have survived so long is you have a very positive attitude and you always seem to be someone who's really appreciated having the life of a professional snooker player. I think I do deep down, especially more late. I mean, you have times where you hate the game and you have horrible defeats and you'd rather be doing anything other than playing snooker because that's what it can do to you. It's, it's a... You know, you're out there on your own and you're playing for your living. It can be horrible at times. But, but the reality is, you know, I know now, even though I'm still playing, I'd certainly appreciate it more when I don't, that actually, you know, you, you're privileged to play it for a living. Mm. You know, travel. I've been to places I know. I probably would have never gone to Australia's, 
you know, too far for me to go. And I played there, India, all these places, all over the world, playing snooker. And uh, I mean, that's that's you know, that's not bad, is it? So I, I will be more appreciative. I am kind of now. I'm seeing it now. I don't know if that's because I'm, you know, in danger of dropping off. I don't know, but I am certainly am now. Whereas you have lots. So when you're kind of safe and you know, you're no threat of ever being relegated or anything like that. You kind of take it for granted a little bit and, you you know, you go through a stage of love-hate relationship with the game. But, you know, in general, it's been a massive part of my life. And when I do stop, I, I, you know, I'll miss it and I'll appreciate what it's given me, you know, over the years. You know, you know I've, I've, I've earned a living. I've, I've travelled all over the world, players have got paid for it and um, met some great people through Snooker who I keep in touch with forever. And, and obviously, away from Snooker as well, meet people who are doing exhibitions or whatever you're doing you know great people and um, yeah it'll always be always be part of me I've explained since I was 10 so I'll never mm. just walk away and when I finish I'd like to stay in the game whether that op- what opportunities that would be I don't know I mean it's obviously it's limited uh, opportunities to actually stay in the game with regards to earning a living but we'll, we'll see what there is when the time comes you know I want to think it's maybe helped as well as you seem very happy in your life generally with your family life and everything else. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. I mean, obviously, when, when you're younger, you, you, you're enjoying it when you're turning pro, and then um, obviously you get married and have kids. It's not everything. Then if you lose a match, it's not the end of the world, and, and it's really not. You know, they're the most important thing. And uh, yeah, I've, look, I've you know, a great wife, you know, two lovely kids, and uh, it's you know, it's uh, it be when the time does come, it will be devastating. But it's you know, it's really not the end of the world. And you move on, and you do something else. Like I say, I like it to be involved with snooker because it's been a big part of my life. But if it's not, it's not. It's um, you know, it's it's not all the, not everything. Even though it's been, you know, massive massive part of everything. But obviously, family. When the family comes along, that's you know your priority. And uh, you, you still love the game. You still doing it but it's more you know you're only living to provide for them really and I know one thing that's going to be making you happy at the moment Mark there's a smattering of Arsenal fans a small handful on the circuit you and I among yeah, them yeah. and it's great times at the moment now can we start dreaming could we win it this season the it Premier League good time I mean oh yeah I mean Alfie and Joe Gunners so um, yeah. who knows listen who knows I mean if, they, if everyone comes back from the World Cup fit mm. you know that's the first thing because obviously the squad is not huge uh, with regards to you know quality, so that's the first thing. If everyone comes back fit and um, keep the form going, because that could be tough when you've had such a big break and then you're getting back into the rhythm of things. But I tell, I like the way Arteta that that documentary really gave me a lot of confidence for this season before it even started. Watching that, you know the way he, he talks to him before the matches. Now I loved it, brilliant. So um, it's, it's still it'd be tough because City City are so good, but. Five points clear. You, you can't say we haven't got a chance. Of course we have. It's one of those where if the lead gets much bigger, then you have it's to absolutely. start Absolutely, and they'll yeah. be under pressure. And you know, you just don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, who thought Leicester would win it a few years ago? You know, no one thought that, did they? Really? And they played brilliant and deserved it. And you know, we we're arguably just as good as they were. Well, we won the league the year you turned pro under George Graham yes. back in 1991. Yes, that, that, oh, yeah. that amazing last last minute goal, wasn't it? Well, no, that was the 89 oh, one. Was, it's like, 91 was when we only lost about? one game all season. And yeah, that, that was the year right. you turned pro, and here we are. Last all these... minute, I know it was yeah. 89. I don't yeah. even know why I said that. I watched it about 100 <laughs> times on the, the video of it. But, and, yeah. and it. And it's still never enough time. And the video's to watch called it. 89. So yes. yeah, I'm getting old, Michael. You've got to understand. Aren't we all? Well, listen, we can remember those great days. Maybe there'll be more ahead. And listen, you've had great days as well. 
well in your career, Mark. And as I say, you've been one of the absolute gentlemen of the game. You made one of the best breaks I've ever seen as well, by the way, in the Championship League, a 72 to win the group. It was one of the most incredible breaks I've ever seen. I don't know if you wow. remember it, no, but I, I certainly no. do. Oh, my. Yeah, I, I thought you were going to say the maximum against uh, Neil or something. Well, you've had all but, those but moments no. as well. But that break no, I just wanted to get that in there. It's the only reason I said yeah, that. Well, okay, you've got to mention that. Especially <laughs> I don't remember that, year. actually. But Well, I was commentating okay. on it. I'll never forget it. It was okay. absolutely incredible. So it's just one of many memories you've given us and many special moments over the years, Mark. And I know you're talking as if you're coming to the end of your career, but I think there'll still be some good moments ahead, and we look forward to sharing those with you. And thanks for sharing your thoughts with us on the World Snooker Tour podcast. No problem. Thank you, Mike. Next time on the World Snooker Tour podcast... Our last episode before Christmas brings a very revealing chat with Robbie Williams about his life on tour so far, including some insights into what went wrong when he came so close to reaching a first-ever ranking final earlier this season. I felt brilliant all week, absolutely brilliant, flying, um, played so well, and then to get to the semis, it just felt different. Things started to change, and it maybe got to me a little bit. I didn't feel intimidated as such, but it was... It just didn't feel the same, you know. It felt like all of a sudden it wasn't a snooker tournament. It was more of a sort of a TV show, and I was I was there for the TV, and it it wasn't a good feeling. And obviously, the way I played, it was just terrible. So it's, that's pretty hard to take. So that's coming up next time on the World Snooker Tour podcast. And don't forget our bonus content, the one four seven, rounding up the week's snooker headlines in one hundred and forty seven seconds, out every Tuesday and available to download at wst.tv. Until next time, thanks so much for listening, and goodbye.